Mic check. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast, and this is your boy Roddy Perry King himself. And you tuned in to the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. And today is a special one, a very, very special one. Shout out to Podmatch yet again for bringing me some dope people in the ether of the world. I'm so glad that, it, you know, I feel like the right people always find me on there. That's what I like. I don't know about everybody else because you could end up getting some random, you know, psychiatrist who talks about how all you got to do is, you know, sniff glue to save your life on there or you could get two extremely talented creatives who are doing their best to truly change the word change the world with their words with their pen with their you know their paintbrush i have here with me the uh illustrator and writer of planeta blue michael laricia and tim blessed how y'all doing excellent y'all say your name right mike yeah, Laricia, you got me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, 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 yeah, yeah, look at me, look at me, a little linguist though, I am. Um, but no, no, like I said that you two have, are truly doing something really cool. I have read, uh, I'll probably, I'll probably maybe like two chapters, I'll probably like, two, I don't know if chapters, but about two chapters left. It, it was just getting, it was just getting juicy where I left off. I will say that it was getting real juicy where I left off, but I read enough to get the genuine gist of the things. But we're going to talk about that uh, more and more later before we get into deep i have to do something really special because i feel like you two will have enough knowledge to make this into a really fun segment so i introduced a new segment in last year that i want to continue on this year with as many guests as possible and it's kind of a cross promotion for another venture of mine called the vibe hour instead of the vibe hour i introduce to you the vibe minute and the vibe minute is this music inspired segment uh, where, you know, I ask my guests a question about a particular song or whatever it might be, and you guys tell me what you think. Um, so the question, the vibe minute question for today's episode is, what superhero theme song will you never forget? I have one myself, but I would love to know you you guys. Sam, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I mean, the, the Spider-Man from like the 70s, 80s, like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, that always stays in my head, but I got to say one that always gets me is the the Incredible Hulk one. Mm. It, uh, Lou Ferrigno, when he's like walking away and it's like really dramatic. What about you, Mike? You know, um, I always go back to the uh, X Men animated series. Oh, you stole mine! <laughs> any any version of that? Like, I think they did a version of it in um, the Doctor Strange movie, the second one, when Professor X comes out, and it's sort of yes. like this like slower version of it. Yes, I've heard that like remixed and everything, and I, that 
that song revved me up every time that show was about to start. You know, it was just like ding 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 ding. It was just like let's go. It's funny that y'all say this, and I hope y'all are music lovers because right. I, to this day, and I'm not the only one who's made this comparison of that particular song, is if you play the X-Men theme song from the 90s and then I'm Your Baby Tonight by Whitney Houston, side by side, it sounds like the melody is the exact same. Like, oh, when you think about it, yeah. is it, I'm good, and then, you see what I'm saying? And then you got, and then you just you just if you literally pair them right next to each other it literally sounds like once you get to the chorus part of that song it's the same song at a point in time Put it, I'm gonna put it all. I'm gonna stitch it all together so y'all can see it. I'm gonna clip it for you. But I'm telling you, it's a thing. It's something there. It's I don't know if we need, might need to be some deep rooted. Maybe it's the same drummer, composer, producer, some involved in both of them songs because they both came out. I believe. I'm, I feel like they both came out in the '90s. If not, if not, one came out in the '80s and other one came out in the '90s. Either way, there's something going on. But I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That was our vibe minute for for the uh, for the episode. Let's get into YouTube. Um, first, let's start off with y'all beginnings. Where are you guys from? Yeah, so I'm from, originally from West Africa. I'm Cape Verdean, although I was born in Guinea-Bissau on the West Coast near Senegal, uh, for those that may not know. But I grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, immigrated there when I was three years old. Um, so New Bedford all the way until Amherst. Uh, now reside in Amherst where I went to school and uh, raising a family out here. Okay, okay. What about you, Mike? Well, I'm just from Massachusetts and then born and raised in Massachusetts and uh, in a small town called Medway, Massachusetts. And I've lived around other places throughout my life, but that's where I hail from. Okay, 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 okay. Big UMass. Uh, y'all UMass fans? Y'all big UMass fans? Well, went to UMass. Oh, really? I think I read that. I, I definitely think, I know that came to my mind for a reason. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. We, so we, we, we got a chance to... Uh, see them at least I, I did because I'm a, I'm a little older than Mike. I'm his senior a few years. <laughs> <laughs> you only as young as you feel. <laughs> yeah, elite eight man, we made it to the Sweet Sixteen at elite, elite eight in uh, basketball and um yeah and I and I yeah. Yeah. With, go ahead and like and when Marcus Canby was uh, playing yeah, back Marcus campus the bro when you know that's actually a, a, a reason why we met. But you know I'll I'll, I'll I won't jump ahead. No, no, that's that's exactly what I was going to go to next. So if, you know, both of you, regardless of your beginnings, found your way into each other's life, I would love to know exactly how. Yeah. So uh, so a friend of mine, uh, I'll say her name, Evelyn, man, a be beautiful uh, friend, uh, you know, called my sister. She um, she knew I had written this, this story, this novel. So it was just in, in written form, and I was looking for an artist. And she was like, hey, you know, I know my neighbor is an artist, amazing. And I was like, yeah, all right, everybody got a, a neighbor or a friend that can draw. Like, yeah, I got a 
200 pages here. You know, could you send me something? So she sent me Mike's website, and I was just instantly blown away mm. by the by the art, by the by the colors. And I was like, "Yo, this guy could be the one," you know, because I've been looking and I and and you know, kind of missing. And um, you know, he lived in the, the same town as me at the time, a neighboring town of Amherst called Hadley. And you know, I was like, "Hey, you know, can you set up a, a meeting between Mike and, and I?" And and she did. And I'll let I'll let Mike. Uh, take on the story from there because you know he has some interesting perspectives from his end well yeah so she was like my only neighbor because my next to the uh, my other part of the house was the street so okay and her, and her kids would play with my kids so we were you know we had a good relationship and so uh she knew that that's what i was doing and uh, that i was doing like freelance work so she connected us and like Tim I was sort of cautious that oh somebody who wrote a book you know where you hear about everybody's <laughs> that's how Bo was like okay you can draw okay you can write yes. <laughs> you just sort of like well you know I'll, you know I, just to be polite I'll take this meeting you know because you know I just you never know right you yeah. have to you have to um so we met and it was we hit it off right away because we so both had kind of the same energy in terms of our creative energy um our spiritual energy and we were both you know we have young kids and you know we had that kind of this this vibe going and and you know he sold me on the story in yeah. that initial meeting and i was like this is very different you know obviously that's another thing too you sort of get worried that somebody's just going to give you something that's really derivative Nice. There's a guy in a cave, but he's not nice. You know, like, it's, you know, it's like the boys and it's like, you know, the, yeah. you know, and then you're just like, well, I've seen that a million times over. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to commit to something that big? But his story was really, you know, original. I could see how much he was into it and uh, he was really committed to this project. So that meeting went over very well. And, you know, the rest of sort of history is that we were like great friends now based on that. Yeah, I love this so much. That friend of ours, it was was at the time, you know, dating Lou Rowe and such. So, so we, uh, that was that was the connection, the UMass. And for those that don't know, he was, you know, big a big star and and went off to the NBA and a big. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, shout out to shout out to Emily. You never know who you're gonna meet. You don't you know when, with these kinds of things. So you gotta sort of keep yourself uh, open and. And, and flexible and just to see what comes, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I can only imagine how tortured a creator would be if they were only left to the devices of their own mind and not and never collaborating, never bringing other people in, never assisting, you know, assisting other people with their things. I mean, yes. I think we've, we've seen too many stories of people who have, who where it was a secret, you know? I, I remember being young and reading about, for some reason, a lot of those people became extremely famous after their works, you know, thinking about uh, Emily Dickinson and, and various folks who weren't famous when they were writing all the things they wrote. And then after the fact, they, you know, and then you find out all these various things about how they are and who they are and what's going on and how much they kind of kept things to themselves and how that ultimately affected them. I think to be artistic is also to be able to express out loud. So being closed off, it's probably the, the biggest rigid thing you can do as a creative person because it's like some of those things that, you, that comes to you, some of those things that are uh, that are just these creative outbursts or things that move you, sometimes they're not really just for you. Like sometimes they really are meant for, not, it, may, it may not be the masses, but it might be for those specific people who get the work, you know? So 
That's my little tidbit. Work is is definitely meant to reach people. Yeah. Well, to sort of inspire, instigate, and engage. Yeah. People start thinking about things, and and as a you know, just to kind of piggyback what we're saying about, I love the idea of just being able to focus on the visuals. Yes. And he can focus on the the concept and the content and the words, and that way, you know, you get two people who are really giving their all to these different parts of the story and it just makes it richer to say that i love that i love that i mean to me i think that um we are living in a real interesting time where you know in terms of story i think that a lot of people are now way more their appetite and their palates are way higher than ever um so people expect and they can see certain things we have the internet now so information is king and so now we're at an age where if you come out with any type of story, if it's an alluding to something or derivative of something else or this remake or whatever, whatever, you're going to be, it's going to be challenged to the max. It's like, why are you making something that we've seen a million times? Even if you quote unquote are calling it something brand new, it's pretty much just a repackaged version of this or a repackaged version of that. And I can genuinely say from, you know, the reading that I've done with Planeta Blue, The Rise of a Goo. Um, um, that it was that it's um, something that I think is certainly refreshing and I think that the interesting part because we're going to get more into it the interesting part about it is some of the simplest things that you can do to make certain things feel like a, something that hasn't quote unquote been done because so much has just been you know either extremely white extremely male extremely straight extremely you know having this like I like the even the even the even the antagonists are extremely specific. And like, it's it's like things that everybody like, yeah, they're evil people, but also like, there's there's so many other types of like heinous, you know, subject matters and various things that affect us that could be the source of this quote unquote antagonist. Cause I feel like that's the best way to kind of, you know, write these types of stories. Um, but let's talk about Planeta Blue how long has it been since you started writing it all the way to publishing? Has it, how, how long has this been something that you have been working on? Oh, yeah, man. So it, so it took me five years to write because I wasn't just doing that. Um, I'm a youth advocate, youth worker. Um, you know, so I always had, you know, regular nine to five. And I'm a hip hop artist also. So I was always doing creative uh, things. And this book just kind of came to me. First in the form of just telling bedtime stories to my kids. And then it just stayed with me after, you know? So I was like, wow, this is, this is a story that's exciting me and my children. And, you know, I would like to put, you know, a pen to paper, if you yeah. will, with it. And, and so it took me about five years to write. And then, and then it took me another year and a half just to even find Mike. And then it took another year for Mike. Uh, to, you know, to actually, you know, take the words and, and illustrate them. And then after that, we, we did, well, in, in, in that process, we did a Kickstarter, uh, which, which took some time. And then we got picked up by Dark Horse after putting out, putting it out on, 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 um, on Kickstarter, you know, so all of that, you know, five, six, seven, <laughs> you know, seven and a half, eight years <laughs> until it's, you know, where we're at now. Okay. Um, and so... Yeah. And so the journey is, is dope though. You know, that's the thing that I, I want to, you know, anyone listening, um, know that, you know, I knew this was a huge project. So did Mike, when I came at him with, with these hundred plus pages, 
It's now, you know, 242, 272 with some bonus stuff that's in there and in the Dark Horse version. Um, and so when you think about that initially, you might, you know, it, it, I'll tell you, it, it was intimidating. Mm. It was intimidating. Yeah, no, it's uh, out. I'll pick that. You, you know, are you just going to talk about it or be about it? You know yeah. what I mean? And, and at some point I knew, like, I'm committing to this. This has to get out into the world. And... <laughs> it did get out to the world. <laughs> she, she gave me a word at a time, one sentence at a time, yeah. and just kept chiseling away until it was done. So don't give up, man. That's my message to anyone who has a dream. Is just keep following it, keep pushing because it, it will eventually get there. I love that. I love that. I love that. I feel like I got. I feel like you, you said a lot. You said a lot, and I love that. I think to me, um, I can definitely tell you what my overall, you know, initial reactions to uh, reading Planeta Blue was. Um, I thought it was extremely interesting how it felt very cinematic. You know, intentionally cinematic. I'm not sure if the version that I uh, read was the, you know, a, initial tone of um, of the story from the original version. Um, but I, I certainly felt like this is um, extremely dramatic, you know, and it felt like there was a, a very, like, jarring tone that was brought into it because it's a lot going on in the very beginning of, it. you know, it's like the, 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 their whole world is kind of shook up immediately in the first several, you know, first several pages. And it immediately made me think about the rush, the cinematic rush that was um, Mad Max, the most recent uh, Mad Max Fury, Fury Road. Road, because the, I remember like stopping the movie probably at like the 20 to 25 minute mark being like, what am I watching? Why is this? Why is this so much going on? <laughs> like it's a it's a desert star. <laughs> He's like he got an IV in getting blood pumped out of like what is happening right now? And I felt so much of that kind of energy from, uh, you know, from my imagination, really imagining this being, you know, almost in, in motion, you know, like what if you were just with your friends and classmates on just a, you know, a regular day, you know, field trip in the bay, at the ocean, wherever, wherever it is. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like a, a, a whole artillery just pops out of nowhere. And then you... In, in the midst of just trying to assess the moment, get snatched underwater. <laughs> get snatched underwater. And and like that would disorient anybody. Like it, it would yeah. it would almost cause a heart heart attack, you know? So to yeah. and then and then for that to not stop. For that to not yeah. stop and for you to finally get to a quote unquote destination, your thoughts are going everywhere. You got talking animals. What the hell is going on? <laughs> and not, and not only that, it's like it doesn't stop. It's like a, it's truly like a, a train that's just continuously going and going because it's like, all right, they're, they're, they're peeling off the bandaid. Hey, this is too serious. Hey, the world is technically at a, like a, at, at an apocalyptic level happening right now. We need to do something about it. If, if we're going to save the rest of it, you know? And I think that putting that much weight on children, all those various things are so many interesting story devices that I think have always been, great story devices that we've seen before automat automatically putting the stakes into the story automatically, you know, creating this really interesting narrative of because this, this, uh, this universal kind of, you know, symbiotic relationship that 
you know, nature has with humans and how all those various things. There's a lot of particular things that were in this, you know, that are in this particular graphic novel that I think um, need to be uplifted and spoken to directly. And the things that I kind of, you know, drew out already were, you know, a sense of environmental uh, consciousness, which I think is something that is extremely slept on. I, I am I'm constantly telling people, I'm constantly asking people very simple questions like what type of water do you drink and things like that. And it's always yeah. funny because people always react in various ways of like, I mean, I just drink, you know, like the, the such and such water. And I'm like, why? Yeah. And they'll never have a, like a follow-up question. They know what water they drink, but they never understand the why. And I'm like, so you don't even know where this comes from. You don't even know what this is. You don't even know why it is. <laughs> like, why is this water? How is this water? How did it get to water? You know, why don't we drink this? Why don't we drink that? Why are you so selective? And if you're going to be selective, why don't you select better, you know? Um, but also a sense of self-discovery, too. I, I love that you mentioned water because that's the play on it. So the rise of Agu mm -hmm. is is a play on agua, right? And um, and not even a play. It's actually a word in Cape, uh, Cape Verdean la uh, language. Oh. Uh, one of the islands of Cape Verde, instead of saying agua, they say agu. Mm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to spell it A-G-U, right? I just wanted A-G-O-O -O so people phonetically could, could read it and, and get it. I feel that. Silly. But it is, it is water. We know water is life. We know we're made up most of water. And so is the planet, even though we call it Earth, right? It's, it's actually water. We're like, we live in a water world. Most of it is water, right? And, and we're connected so much. There's, there's this connection. We are, we are water. And so we have to be really mindful of our environment. Um, just like you say, like being conscious, like what water are you drinking? You know, this is some filtered water for me, <laughs> right out of, you know, the Amherst Reservoir. Come on. <laughs> and, and, and it's filtered. I got a filter in the basement that filters it um, so I don't have to go and buy the bottled, wa bottled water. Yeah. But for me, these young people have to, and we all have to realize like we're all connected, y'all. We're all interconnected. So whatever's happening, anywhere you know like i have behind me you know malcolm and martin martin you know was on some you know injustice anywhere you know is this, is a threat a, a threat for justice you know everywhere how however it's 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 intertwined like that but the reality is like man we're there's so much injustice happening every single day Facts. um and and some of it honestly is to ourselves like we're, we're doing an injustice when we choose to eat fast food right or or choose to um you know power our machines the way that we're powering our machines and so you know it was by design that the the main villain was an oil tycoon billionaire turned yeah. evil world conqueror because that's you know we're all being held hostage right now by by the food industry by the you know the the oil um companies by just you know the the way that society is being run is is we're constantly being attacked, you know what I mean? Just to just to keep it for one hundred with the listeners. This is true. The youth that we with this. The youth are so as we know, they're so smart. That's why I, I work with you daily because they give me hope. I'm like, man, these young people are dealing with stuff in their homes. They're so resilient. Yeah. You know what I mean? The trauma that they're dealing with at home. But, but before even stepping out and having to deal with public school system, having to deal with what's happening on the news and globally. You know what I mean? Having to deal with what's happening online with, you know, bullying or, or whatever, what they're seeing day in and day out. And so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you caught on to like the pace of of the book, because I 
intentionally, I was like, man, these kids are so like, you know, they're dealing with 30 second clips or 10 second clips or 15 second clips. So I got to hit them right away. You know what I mean? And and I knew that, you know, the fact that, that like, here's their teacher, right? And, and, you know, we all had relationships with our teacher. We loved the, the teachers that were, were, were caring and kind to us. And the ones that weren't, we, we hated them. But clearly in the first five pages, we see that the kids have a, a good relationship with their t- teacher and he gets blah, he gets shot right away. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, so right away their safety net, their safety blanket is, is taken from them. And now they're getting judged as you for stuff that they didn't even do, right? And that happens all the time. They're like, what do you mean we're on trial and have to, you know, I have to defend all of humanity and we're just these kids in New Bedford, you know what I mean? Kids from the inner city, you know, yeah. I mean, we ain't we ain't contributing to to the fossil fuels and all this consumption. So these are things that were very dear to my heart as far as environmental justice, as far as racial justice, as far as young people seeing themselves, all kids seeing themselves. And we know that everyone's story needs to get told. Like we got to have a voice in this. And so instead of just waiting for someone to to go out there and put the voice and I started writing this, you know, pre Black Panther movie success, right? And so it was like, hey, I want my children to see themselves well, once again, I could do it. You know what I mean? If they survive this this um, cataclysm, then I can survive any challenge that comes my way. That's uh, the mess. I love that. I love that. I, I also want to uplift the other fe- other things that I noticed in the book, too, is uh, self-discovery. Um, I think that, you know, I love a good I love a good coming of age element to any story of young people, because I think that that's something that is truly slept on um, in terms of why that as a genre, why why a why all those things are uh, such a powerful, you know, story setting for people to start at. Because, you know, as we learn from, you know, anytime you, you know, jump into therapy, healing your inner child and understanding what, you know, what happened when you were young and as you were, quote unquote, losing your innocence says so much about who you're going to be as an adult. And I think that one thing that we can all relate to is is that regardless if a lot of us may not make it to a particular age range or whatever it might be, so many of us are going to, we're all going to be young. <laughs> we've all been young. We've all been, you know, a child. We've all been teenagers. If we, you know, we've all made it to, a lot of us have made it to that level. Um, so, and, and there's this interesting kind of, you know, thin line between innocence, independence, and like just feeling like you're, you're, you're slightly free with no responsibility. So your, your goals and your dreams are the most fearless as they can be. Um, and sometimes that ambition can be attuned enough to actually squeeze something out of it. Like you actually become a this or a that or a this. Yeah. Um, but also to there being also themes of like uh, speaking truth to power, which I believe is the overall, to me, I feel like a deeper overall message. And I think that having animals as a personification of the quote unquote ills of the world and having all these various specific perspectives I thought was so intriguing as well. Was there any particular reason why you chose uh, those specific characters to represent certain, you know, certain um, degrees of siding with the main characters or, you know, detracting from the main characters? Was there a reason why you chose certain things? Cause I think certain ones are obvious, but I also think you, you, I feel like you chose those really well. Yeah, no, thank you, man. I think I mean I'm I 
watched, you know, uh, Planet Earth, you know, we, the the whole series, man. And I was just, it, it, you know, just, you know, just my mind blew watching that stuff. And and so I always ha had this affinity towards animals that I didn't even know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I never had a pet. And so for me, though, I was just like, wow, like, you know, to sit and watch animals from a distance, even right now, you might see my eye go because, you know, I see a squirrel or a rabbit go by and I'm just like fascinated that this world <laughs> exists. Right. And and then, you know, to to have, you know, a lot of the characters that make up this council are characters that have unique names or, you you know, and, and in the book, we have a glossary. So there's a bald eagle, for instance. And so all of these animals represent different kingdoms. And so there's the Asian kingdom, right? The birds cave. There's, you know, the mammal kingdoms, which is the, like the whales are represented by these councils. And they really put out like, hey, they're, they're witnessing and they're telling the story. And so to have this bald eagle, which is, is, you know, is connected to America, but her name be Harriet, you know, inspired by Harriet Tubman, who, as we know, you know, for me, is just like one of the greatest heroes ever to be able to not only escape bondage, you know, as, as, a, as a black woman and then go back and bring, you know, tens you know a, a hundred and eventually during the civil war like go back as a spy when when your your face is is placid like they're looking for you it isn't like they're they already know about you they know that y'all like taking people out you know as they call it you know the great conductor of the underground railroad right mm -hmm. um and and they're looking for you and she's doing this without gps y'all you know she's doing this like just go like having vision, like like an eagle, being able to see beyond and being like, this is my calling, this is what I gotta do, to speak not only about this is what humans are, but their potential, right? And, and so never to leave it as like humans are just bad, you know what I mean? It's like, no, we can rise above, we can be, you know, this this being to um, you know, serve you. It serve not only humanity, but but in the environment. You know what I mean? And 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 um and and usher in a, a different world. That's what we're looking for. You know what I mean? And and not just to be complacent, be like, ah, this is how it is, man. Ah, that it's war. You know, that's how war is. No, war doesn't have to be that like that. You can you we could end war right now. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Stop. Like you could stop fighting yourself, whatever beef you have with yourself, right? Because I always bring it back to the internal, and I think that's what you what you were touching upon with these with these young people, right? They're they're going through this, and I and I love like Angel's character to me, and I love that other other kids have have come back and be like, you know, when I asked them like, what what was your favorite character, and they're like, oh, we love Angel because he's, you know, anybody who's known an Angel on on Hell, right? They're not always angels, right? <laughs> They're actually the, maybe the opposite. So, but he's a kind-hearted kid who is saying maybe the, the funny thing or the wrong thing at the right time. So he has this idea of the world that is not right. You know what I mean? Especially when it comes down to women, that women could be a, a chief or a leader. You know, he's like, what, you said chief? But, you know, you said a woman? How, is, how could that be? Like in his small mind that's expanding and coming of age, he's like now... Be realizing that like, yes, women have held and still hold very prominent positions and, and the world would be different, in my opinion, if women were running it, right? Because mm -hmm. they, they're they're more compassionate and, and leading with the heart as opposed to men leading with this logic side. And so it was, it was important for, you know, Douglas, you know, the chairman, you know, going up against the great white shark 
You know what I mean? To be modeled after Frederick Douglass, you know what I mean? And and to have this voice and have the strength, even though he's a spider monkey, you know what I mean? And he's just being like, nah, like this is, I'm commanding this, um, you know, this, this, uh, uh, what do you call it? This council. Yeah. So, um, I just think it, it, it's fascinating. I do, I do want to share, man, this is probably only the second time I'm sharing this, uh, you know, in, in public, but uh, as, as a child, you know, at seven years old, I, you know, kicked my ball into the neighbor's yard and I walked into, and as I came around like the corner, it was a group of cats circle in a circle, having a meeting, man. And I was just like, what's going on here? Like, mm. I have eating like in a council. And that's what idea, like nowadays people, you see councils being used all the time. And, and I'm sure, you know, throughout storytelling, but that always stuck with me. And that blew my mind. Cause I was just like, how, like, is this what animals do? Like they convene uh, meetings and, and talk about like, see, why not? Why not? And, and, and they all got up and walked away. As soon as they saw me, they're like, you ain't invited, bro. Like, let's, let's, let's yeah. keep it moving. I've never seen that again. I've never witnessed that again in my life. But as a kid, I was like, you know, I'm like, man, is this what animals do? And that, and I wanted to throw that in there because they are having a life, even though we can't communicate with these animals. Um, but I'm, I'm willing to bet if we were to find a cat on Mars, you know what I mean? We would try really hard to try to talk to that thing. <laughs> I think so too. Like whatever. I think so too. We're just. Eating a lot, right? Or using them as, as coats, and it's it's kind of what else, man? It, it's intriguing. It's intriguing, and I, I, to, to, I definitely want to get your overall inspiration and choice and illustration, Mike, on uh, in this conversation too about Planeta Blue, because for me, uh, taking in taking in the visuals of it all, two things that stood out to me is one was like just a, a nostalgic quality to it. There was like a very specific like it felt like i was kind of sent back to those you know uh like saturday morning type cartoons especially yeah. the ones that you know in my in my particular era because i think that there was a very particular style that it felt like every era kind of tried to emulate to a certain degree yeah like like you had you know this Hanna barbera look for you know a long time and then it kind of shifted to everything kind of having a little you know more harsher lines more, you know, different, different level backgrounds, you know, uh, more, you know, just more, you know, really cool, you know, abstract backgrounds with this real cool, you know, mm -hmm. 2D foreground. Um, and then the second thing was, how in the hell do you pick and choose to read something like a descriptive of something? Because I'm assuming that, you know, what you, what you two exchange was more than just, you know, quote unquote, the script itself. I mean the uh, the story itself. You had to also you also also talk about like how do these people look? What do you envision in the, in those things? and kind of come to come together. But like that was the first thing I thought about is like how does one go about choosing like this is what this like energy coming off of like this is what the power is gonna visibly look like. This is what you know some the, these the, you know these these guardians these dolphins and well like how how do you, how do you even pick and choose? The illustration style, as well as like that, those particular, you know, specific details. Like, how do you even approach that? Well, I mean, I like to call it sort of a visual conversation, right? So there's a lot of, um, hey, here's the prompt, here's the text prompt. Let me show you how I initially interpret that. Yeah. Right. And then Tim would see that. And there were definitely that, it's interesting you bring that up because that sort of aura, the, the, the powers that they get in the book. Yeah. That went through a couple of variations. In my first variation, that was 
actually you kind of can see it in the um the bonus features where i did an initial drawing where it was sort of i sort of envisioned it a little bit too gruesome <laughs> because my taste in art is a little bit raw and in and lean skews a little bit more towards um, maybe horror and things like that. Oh, so like, I I was like, what if you can see their skeletons within this aura? And so it's almost like in some of the muscles, and it would be like this sort of creepy, you know. Um, I, you know, I don't even know what to compare it to, but the the shape of the animal would be the aura, but you would see this sort of like interior body inside of it, like the Body Works show, you know, from that one. Uh, I see, I see. But it's almost like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're coming with this. <laughs> so there were different like variations of that where we'd go back and forth, say, well, how about this? And, and the same with the characters where it's like, okay, you know, he would, he would sit, we made up like a Pinterest board. It's like, well, here's some examples of different characters of what I thought it would look like, you know, use these to sort of inspire you to come up with their look. Yeah. And so initially, before I even started working on the book, there was, we did concept art and, and which is also included in the bonus stuff. You can see what the, the initial drawings of the characters look like. And, you know, my take on the story too, was that when I read it was that this is again, a very, like you said, very dramatic there's a lot of um, places where strong emotions would be appropriate, especially the, these sort of catastrophic scenes. And what I wanted to do, and also as an artist, you, you want to make a, a project fun for yourself too, right? And, yeah. and sort of use the, the the tools and skills that you enjoy using. And, I, you know, I sort of said to Tim, I'd love to be able to use color in a very expressive way. Similar yeah. to how they used to do it back in like the 60s where they had a very limited color palette. So really strong reds and yellows when there's intensity and um you know and really sort of exploit that throughout the story so there's there's places where the color is very literal and then there's places where it's very um symbolic of the situation and that's a real uh um benefit of comics in general is where you can do that you can sort of use uh, text and color and, and, and use it to influence how the reader is experiencing the story. Mm. And Tim was totally on board with that, which I was thankful for, because I think that really added a lot to, um, you know, it, it just sort of elevates the experience, you know, because you're not sure what you're going to see, because if you're just seeing literal color throughout the whole book, you sort of exceed, there's an expectation every time you turn the page that's okay this person's going to have his red shirt this person's going to you know they're going to look that way but if all of a sudden bam the whole thing is red or it's it's like yellow you know you you have to react to that in some way and yeah and i think that that's a, it it's for me i've always enjoyed that with comics and and especially the older ones and how creative um colorists use that um and and then a lot of times you'll see old comics where they'll recolor them and they'll get a lot of of kickback because they'll try to do it in such a like you know like a gritty realistic manner and and really render, whereas you sort of lose a, a lot of of um, the intensity that you had initially. Um, and, and you know that's that's the perfect pivot. That's the perfect pivot because I think visually there is something to say about how we went from things being extremely bright, extremely colorful, if they were limited or not. They did the best they could because I, I literally, um, I believe, I think He Man, I think He Man's coming back on uh, on Netflix, uh, and I love He Man for a lot of reasons, and especially once I seen this Grayskull, that King Grayskull was black in his last last. Uh, <laughs> I was like, 
plot twist. Never would have thought. <laughs> and I, I did not. And, and I need to look that up. I need to look that up because I did not know that that was cold. Oh, it's canon now? Yeah. Love that. Love. Because I was like, this is, yeah, paternity is cool. But then, let me not geek out. So what I was saying was, it's crazy how we went from this really bright colored situation to now we have this like this Snyder-fied version of everything now where everything's gritty and dark. They spent a million dollars to do all this CGI that we can't even see or make out to be real. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, I get it. We're underwater with Aquaman, but like, and there's a million per um, both sides piranhas, but like, not that scary to me. I can't even see him. He can't, I assume he can. He's fighting through it, but I mean, you know, don't really get it, you know, and, and, and or just the, the various things. And so I would love to pivot this conversation to speak to, you know, the wider situation of what we see in the landscape as of right now, you know, the, the Oscars, the Oscars are coming up soon. Um, so many, and I believe, um, I believe, uh, the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-Man Spider-Verse, um, uh, is yet again, elect, uh, yet again, um, nominated for Oscars as well for, for best animated movie. And, and I believe, uh, several others. And I would love to chat with y'all about how y'all feel about this new wave of, quote unquote, you know, there there is this emphasis on having this forced diversity, if you will, uh, that never really had to be forced. There was plenty of people who were creating already that could be lifted up. Uh, but now there seems to be a very specific effort of like, we need to make more space for stories that are more diverse and bringing in characters that are more diverse. And then there being a direct we're going to just make other characters that we have a part of particular storylines, diverse characters. Now mm -hmm. tell me how y'all feel about those things kind of happening in the landscape, because I think that that is something that has kept happening and people feel a million and one different ways about it. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because Mike and I have this conversation all the time because, you know, on one end we love it, right? Like to see black and Brown, and, and other folks, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, especially taken, for instance, um, you know, into the uh, Spider-Verse, right? Yeah. Like, the fact that now you have, like, you know, so this this Spider-Man from from India, it's like, it's so dope. Danny, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, you you love it, and that's, that's, that's it done well, right? Like, for me, like, that's a masterpiece, right? That movie, to me, it should win best movie, hands down, not even just animated, it should just be best movie of, of 2023, because... How could you? How do you have a part two be better than part one? That I'm like, yo, that that is a masterpiece. I don't think you could add, you could yeah. improve upon it. Anyway, yeah. this you know, you are no, you're right. And even even the fact of the like the technology around the animation being something that was highlighted and specific as well, because it was just like, yeah. damn, like we could, and, and that's why I was glad to see. Uh, I believe what was this the uh, the movie Kid Cudi? I believe Intergalactic. I think is the name of the film that they use that similar you know style and that similar you know. And I was like, we could just see more shit like this. Like we could just yeah. we don't always have to do things in live action, and we could possibly still like it also don't have to use animation to do the unbelievable either. Like it could just be given to us in this particular form, and it would still be very digestible in that same way. Um, yeah. To 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 get even more. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna, I was just gonna add, but then there, there are some things that will come out. Let's say, I don't know, like Disney, um, Strange Worlds or something like that. They, you yeah. know, like we and 
it just felt forced. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, here's, you know, the black mom and the white dad and the, you know, and, you know, like, and, and then, you know, once again, we, we love seeing the diversity. We love seeing the, the gay LGBTQ characters, but sometimes it's almost like they force you. It's like, yes. and they're gay. You know, so yes. you know what I mean? And, and, and we're all thinking smart, critical, you know what I mean? So you watch this and you're like, Hmm. Something's weird. Like something didn't doesn't doesn't land right, and it feels like just an executive being like, "Why don't we do this?" You know, what I mean, as opposed to you know the creative, as as you said, the people who are like, "Hey, this is our story of LGBTQ. Let's let's then bring it to the theater." And, well, what can we make them black? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying like, no, they they can just two gay white people. That's cool. Like, why can't they just be that? So it's 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 once again, I feel like America and just. Hollywood or trends or whatever it's it's like all or nothing right it's like you know it can't just be like hey this is what it is no like let's all be about black lives matter now until it's not right until and now it's not not black lives matter we black lives mattered before black lives matter like it mattered when I was a kid it matters you know as I was growing up and now as a parent my kids lives are always gonna matter and and but why it's almost like it's like overdoing it. It's it's pandering. It feels very pandering at times. It feels very much like, oh, you're so articulate as a black man. It's like mm-hmm. I've been speaking words, you know, saying that made sense. Like you don't have to sit tell me that I'm smart. I know I'm smart. You know what I mean? And there's there's millions of smart people that look like me, smarter than me. How about that? You know what I'm saying? Fed. And you all want to just now just figure it out and be like, oh, this is great, and pat us on the back, like. Now nah, there's something that feels off, you know. It's it's off-putting. It feels, um, and I don't, and I, and I don't know how to, you know. And then on the on the flip side, there's the critics that like, oh, everything's so woke now. I'm like, go back to sleep, dummy. You know, <laughs> like it get, I get so mad. I'm like, yo, woke means y'all awoken, y'all awake. You 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 cross through the veil. You can actually sleep. They are. And and I get it, you know. What I mean, I'm not a big fan of just canceling people just for you know saying the wrong thing and then coming out and apologizing. You still want to cancel them, so it's it. There's so many layers to this, right? And you see, you touch the nerve, man, because I get really mad things. Well, because there's a black, you know, um, you know, lead in um, what was that HBO Max? Um, oh, the Watchmen. What is it? The Watchmen. Well, that 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 was another one which was so dope, but, but all of a sudden it's woke because there's a there's a lead black person. But I was I was talking about a scavenger, a scavenger rain, scavenger rain. I saw someone. I don't know if you've seen that man. If you have, I haven't. Check it out. Well, yeah, you gotta get on top of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. And I mean, that's 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 real. And I would love to know, like, have you have you know. Mike, have you seen the, uh, it's a new Marvel show that's out that's getting a lot of, you know, criticism called Echo? Oh, I haven't watched Echo yet, though, but I did watch, I mean, I saw uh, Hawkeye, which had Echo in it, uh-huh. and, and Daredevil and all that stuff, but I haven't jumped on Echo yet, but I've heard, like, some really good things about it. Though. I've heard I've heard good things about the show, but I've also, I literally went back and forth with some, well, it was a slight back and forth, I think I got them pretty quick into order with my opinion. But on Twitter, but they basically complained. They was like, so you mean to tell me that there is a indigenous, uh, <laughs> indigenous deaf, you know, uh, like amputee 
as a superhero, come on, like let's let's stop all let's end all the comics though. That's the interesting thing. It's not like she was made for the show. It's just you know, I feel like for me with with this particular conversation, it has a lot to do with intention and execution. So the intention of the people making the content and how they're delivering it, because audiences are a lot more sophisticated in watching this stuff than we were in the past. You know, we're not at the point now where it's like we're just starting to see uh, representation. And now we're like, how are we using representation? Like, is it, you know, you know, it's like, you know, Tim's talking about that uh, Strange World movie. It's, I think it was called or something. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like, I'm watching this. So like, yeah, I applaud that this is who the characters are, but it seems so heavy handed to the point that I'm actually distracted by it. Yeah. It's like, why not make it less of a big deal? Because I think you can actually, it can be more powerful when it's not as big a deal because you say like, yeah, you know, and that kid was, you know, was like a boy or whatever. And, but it wasn't like the whole thing of the story because, because the story is branded as them going to this fantasy world when you go into it. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, make up your mind what this story is about as, as, as a viewer. Now, I don't know how children experience that. Because I know as a, someone who has grown up watching and seeing how um, TV and film has evolved, yeah, well, I can kind of spot what's going on and what the trends are and, and like, okay, yeah, this was done and this and that. Or we've already seen this because everybody's just sort of recycling old stuff to make it more modern. But, you know, it's always for me, it's like, well, what, well, yeah, what's the intention and in, in how are you actually delivering this information? Because... At its face value, on paper, I was like, I, I love this idea, you know. Um, I love that the characters are the way they are and this yeah. other thing. But, but when I saw it, it's like, well, I feel like you could have handled this differently. And it, and it's not like I'm trying to appease conservative audiences. It's just we're talking about art here. We're not. This is. It just feels so commercial and so sort of like you could picture everybody in a boardroom and be like, he's got to do this. And then we got to make sure this happens yeah. and make sure this happens, you know, and you kind of get a sense of like that. You can just hear the meeting of like how they were going to set up this story, you know? So what I, what I loved about echo man, just to throw it is, is the, um, I think it's uh Choctaw yeah. language. Choctaw. I thought it was so dope that they brought that language into it. And a lot of it, even, you know, them playing lacrosse, you know I mean? That scene was so, there was something that, yeah. you know, and, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll be, this. I have some criticism, just like Luke, Luke, uh, Luke Cage, right? For sure. There, there was some inconsistency in, in just production. I'll say it that way, right? But the core matter, I'm just like, this is so neat. It's so interesting. It's bold, too. I like it, but I, but I love it. There's something that I loved about that, that, I, first of all, I'm, I'm getting exposed to a culture that I know very little about. You know what I mean? I have Native folks out, out here in, in, in the East Coast. But, you know, they're a different nation, a different tribes. Yeah. To know about the Choctaw people, their language that they're speaking. And and then the universal family, like, stuff that was happening felt very real. It felt very genuine. Um, and and that that sister was just badass, man. She was, she was, she was really sexy. I was just like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and she do, you know, she's, she's, you know, see? And, yeah. And she's big enough where, that's the other thing. I don't, I have a problem seeing, like, maybe like hundred pound women like flip over to hundred, not to say that it can't be done. Cause I, you know, I practice Aikido and I know that, but it doesn't translate well on film, but this sister's like big and she looks like she's like blows on these, on these dudes. Like, 
it's so it's it's very believable. So I love yeah. the show, and I, I like I like that you pointed out that particular you know element of it as a whole. I, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna dive more into it, and like in the, and I, and I appreciate that particular perspective of like how how these things can just be what they are. You know, we don't have to make more of it. We don't have to make it a thing. We can present it and then kind of never speak to it and and, and allow for it to go about life because that is what the life is like for so many people who might be hard of hearing or whatever it might be. They're not looking for empathy every damn day. They're not pointing out like, you know, and just doing, you know, ASL. It's like, they're just going through their life. They're going to the grocery store, they're, they're communicating with people, they're communicating with family, they're doing whatever they have to do because that's what it really is. I, I shut down this uh, this hater on uh, Twitter who said this about pointing out about saying that this show is so woke by saying, show me a superhero that has it all together and I'll show you a born ass superhero. Because mm. that's usually what it is. That's what I always, that's always been my gripe about Superman as a whole is that his overall quote unquote Achilles heel is that he's not human and he would like to be. He doesn't fit in for real. You know, like he he's this perfect being in this world. And there's this this thing. That's why I personally believe that like Superman going evil is the natural progression of that character. Cause it's like yeah. you can't just be perfect. You can't just be the strongest one in the world. You're powered by this sun. You can't take out the sun, so you're gonna be super powerful than everybody else. You have a, a whole stack and slew of powers. You can run fast, but you never have to because you can fly. Mm, you know, like, we're like, ah, you know, like, come on, you know? And yes, we need you to have some type of actual depth to you. And every single character has something from a context of them having some particular shortcoming, them having to balance out their secret identity to in their real world and, and who they are in this, particular role, them not even liking the idea of playing that role and being in this superhero like position. Cause it's like, I just want to be a this. I want to be a that. I can't even have a family. I can't even have intimate relationships because who the hell, like who can I be with for as long and also be Batman? You know, like I can't do both. The characters have to have some sort of vulnerability for us yeah. to relate to. Yeah. Because I, I remember with like what Wolverine, my favorite, uh, character love this in, in the old days like he could actually be really hurt right he could be like in a battle and like he might not bounce back from it and as they rewrote him going further he was like completely like incinerated and still came back like he couldn't die at all and so like once he could i i kind of hated that because i was like well then there's no real like what there's nothing really heroic about him because yeah. there's no risk to him yeah so it's like I can't really. I started to be like, well, that that it's not as powerful anymore because if there's no risk to somebody, it's, there's no, there's no courage. There's no. They don't have to be brave because like, well, what's there's you know, um, there's no risk to me. Yeah. Well, and for me, Spider Man. That's why I love Spider Man. You know, because you you can relate to that kid, right? We've all been kids trying to juggle high school, <laughs> right? And and then maybe a girlfriend, maybe not, or whatever partner. And and now you know your your family. And I I thought it was it was brilliant. Both movies in the you know speaking now of Miles Morales. Yes. Slack. You know what I mean? Yes. And now here he goes and 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 trying to save. Right. He's like, I'll see. I'll do both. I gotta save my father and and the world. But the stakes not. How are you gonna do that? That it's 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 such a powerful. Um, you know, uh, a, a relationship that, you know, for the viewer to be like, I can relate with this because it's 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 so strange. Now all these other Spider-Men are going after you and fighter horses and you're still able 
to like be like he's the greatest, you know. He Bonus Morales, let's go. Right, right. And and and, and the the last, I guess, the last two points that I wanted to you know address with you too. Um, I think that there's been a real interesting because of you know the proliferation of movies such as Black Panther and so many others um, that have came out as of you know as of late in the past few years, especially coming into the 2020s. I think everybody is realizing they have to genuinely adjust their, you know, tolerance um, on these big screens because there's going to not only be because there's not only going to be these stories of people of color and um, and of women specifically and of LGBT who are going to be fake, like put and presented as superheroes in these in these fictitious, you know, sometimes legendary roles. But they're also going to be uh, in the real world, other people who are close to those characters attached to those movies as well either being the director either being you know someone within those roles it's it's happened every time um i would love to speak to this real interesting thing that's happening because i think that there is a decline that's happening for the quote-unquote just all white male character and this truly a, a increase of you know interest genuine and just simple interest because yeah. The problem that I think that folks didn't realize is that making Marvel films and DC films into these big 10 films now creates a palette for the general public for these types of films. Unlike if you, you know, us three who might've all read comics growing up and all these various things, we're going to go watch the stuff anyway. So it could be not even a, this could just be a niche genre that only you know makes a 10 million 30 million dollars every movie we're still gonna go and watch it but we now know that these movies are literally the highest grossing films to ever be made now everybody has a palette on it everybody's watching these shows everybody's watching these things because they believe that there's going to be a good story behind these things so I've noticed this decline we spoke about it in the uh in the pre-interview i believe it was uh was it jupiter uh, legacy, Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter's legacy, which was, uh, I believe, uh, a Miller, a Miller, like a, one of the Millerverse uh, projects that came out in that deal with Netflix, and um, it did not do well. I thought the story was kind of like all over the place. Certainly, um, I thought it had the potential. Hence, why I watched it to be something that would could possibly kind of cool, especially you know coming off of the success of things like The Boys. Like, okay, we get into like a real world. We understand the heroes. We know who the heroes are. We live amongst them for so long type of thing. This might be something that's kind of cool. And it felt very kind of all over the place. But then you have things like recently, like a Blue Beetle. I cried at motherfucking Blue Beetle. I cried at it. And it was crazy because it was like, why am I crying in this damn superhero film? And I, and, and I, and I immediately, I, I, I loved... I loved Jaime's character. I loved his family. I thought it was brilliant and culturally sound that for uh, for you to be, for them to show this Latin family living all, uh, cohabitating, and for him to have his I am a superhero moment amongst his family felt like the most cultural thing to do. Because in my mind, it's like if I was a kid, and, I, and, I, and if I was a kid, I got locks. If I was just all of a sudden became static shock, there was no way in hell I would have been able to keep that from my mom. Yeah. She would have had, she would have figured it out. 
We ain't having no secret identities in so many, like that's that's very much a privilege thing that you ain't able to, to be left out alone in your room. Nobody wondering where you are. Nobody's wondering why you're missing in action. That's a privilege thing for you to be just Peter and just, oh no, I'm at the, I'm at the, I'm at the you know, I'm at the, I'm, I'm just handling newspapers, taking pictures. No, where was you at? You, you, I know you wasn't there. I called them. Where was you at? Yeah. Uh, I, and so I loved that part, and I loved the, just the relationship with his with his dad, how loving his parents were, how they even amongst their own crisis still had love in their family. And the grandma just the grandma really just she t- she the reason why I cried. It, it took me back to Coco. It took me back to car. I cried at Coco too. It's something. I don't know what it is. I might need to just take my time going to Mexico. Cause if I see a abuela and she looking a little, little, you know, like she's having a day, it might tear me up. Cause it get me every time. And just her just speaking to like, we can't even cry right now. We need to figure this out. We need to get through this battle. We need to get through this journey and to know that she had depth. It wasn't just her being like this strong matriarch. It's like, oh no. I was a revolutionary, y'all don't know, but uh, I, you know, I used to handle myself back in the day. And yeah. just to see the whole family be a part of the story and not be just these like tools and like story devices to lift up this main character. You know, slight tangent, but I love, but I, I would love for y'all to speak to this interesting juxtaposition of like these characters that have way more depth and also more, you know, more going on, more layers are definitely, you know, overshadowing these characters just just so happen to just all 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 they really present is just this whiteness more than anything. What have y'all noticed when it comes to that? Mike, I know you you want to say something, but I got something to say to that too. Well, I mean, I think that just in the last couple of decades, we're just seeing it's you know, I've noticed it as being like an art student, right? So there's more people that have gone into the arts. And so you have this influx of people from all over the world, different backgrounds are in the arts, becoming writers. Those people are are contributing. We're seeing, you know, and so we're just seeing like, there's more people making and seeing this stuff, you know? And I think in the old days, it was all run by, you know, essentially white people who were making stories for white people. And it was all the white savior movies, right? And we were just familiar with that. One person is inherently special and will go in and save the day. And that's the model that worked for so many times. And now we're seeing, well, hey, look, um, you know, studios start taking little chances here and start seeing people responding to it. And that's just been growing and growing and growing. And because of social media, people are, you know, responding, hey, I love this show. I love this film. And so people are talking about endorsing stuff. And I just feel like it's just like this whole... um, chain reaction of events that's leading led us here yeah you know where it's just like a community right it's people just talking and and being able to um push things up to to the surface so we can see it and again it's like more people are working on this stuff who have different life experiences who can contribute and say you know this is hasn't been touched on no one's you know and people are going to respond to this and relate to it and and i feel like we're just seeing that that is what people want to see they they were People deep down unconsciously know that the world is complex and there's parts of the world they haven't experienced and they go to entertainment to learn those things. Right. And they get to, they, that's the safe experience for them to sort of go to places that are foreign to them. Um, yeah. So, I'm a, I, very well said. I think it's, yeah, I just want to add that, man, you know, like 
black culture is beautiful, man. And mm-hmm. people have known that for, for the longest time. And black people are just hilarious. They're profound. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. You know what I mean? The, the melanin, as light-skinned as I am, you know, what I see... You know that melanated skin. It's just, it's just beautiful. And 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 the the we'll call them the ops real quick. The ops know that. You know yeah. what I mean? And they've tried so hard to kind of keep that. Like, oh no, they're there's something else. But the the secret's been out. You know what I'm saying, and right. it continues to be out. And now here comes more and more stories of all these other stories that I'm I'm just like, wow. Like I didn't know. You know, like I think of um. Miss Marvel, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. that was that was profound. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know any of this had happened in India between, you know, India and Pakistan, and you know, this whole this whole history. But you know, getting back to Blue Beetle, just you know, I had some my youth watch that, you know. So Planeta Blue is like inspired by the youth that I work with. Um, we had, um, you know, after MLK, I was like, hey, y'all pick a movie, you know. And it was there was a, a kid, black kid, who was like, I want to watch Blue Blue Beetle. We, yeah. Mexican kid who, who was there watching it, well, watching it, and very universal uh, themes. You know, seeing these themes of family, as you as you mentioned, to be able to be like, yeah, like why, you know, why is the 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 dad like missing, or why is the mom always missing from these? You know, and we know we know that these are some, but but to see the family there and Abuela come up with the minigun, you know, to still yeah, it's real quick, yeah. You know, and and drop little scenes of like, yo, that that's the island that Batista was basically, you know, terrorizing people and and interrogating people and uh, you know, and and abusing people, but like just dropping that little bit to connect because, as we know, you know, and I hate the term minorities, right? Some people still use that term, like, Facts. listen, we're a global majority, right? Facts. Like, you know, I mean, that like, and 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 y'all don't have to worry. So now I'm speaking to my white brothers and sisters out there. And, and a lot of them get it already. But to those that don't get it, don't worry, y'all. Because black folks, we're so compassionate. You know what I mean? People of color are compassionate. Not all of us, right? But the majority of us, we're not going to do to you what y'all did to us. So don't worry about that. So so embrace it because, as we know, the origin of life came from Africa, y'all. Yeah. We can all go back and trace our roots back to that and be like, hey, this is our story as humanity. As humanity, this is our story. So don't fear it. Don't fear it as woke. Wake up, you know what I'm saying, and actually go back to Africa and find your history there and find your history in Mexico and in India and any anywhere and in Europe too. Like, I, I'm dying to go to Europe. I haven't gone there because I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, you, you guys have hit me with so much. I, I, I know a lot of your history. Let me go find out my history because y'all have seemed to like keep it from the history books. So I have to go find it. And then so it's like... I love these stories, man. I plot them, and um, I, I want to see more, man. And, and people, as as they seen, hey, it's profitable too for all you capitalists out there. Y'all can make money off of this too, so it's a win win for everyone. How yeah, yeah. And but you know, you know, I, 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 before I ask y'all, before we send it on there, I give you this last question. Um, all I can genuinely say from being a young black child, loving these superhero stories, loving. Uh, immediately being attracted to them and not, I think, I, I think just like so many kids my age, I don't think we had this like visceral feeling of like wanting to see ourselves. It was very like, Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. And so once to me, my, my North star of, you know, I guess my like idea and the the strength 
of storytelling and why superhero as a genre, by, why quote unquote superheroes and and just all these things as a genre is such a powerful thing was Static Shock for me. And um and shout out to you know Milestone Comics and all of their things that they've done and I think that I've I've very much kept a close eye on you know the IP and like how they handled the IP as a whole. And for those who may not know, uh, DC Comics owns um, owns the Milestones, uh, rights to Static Shocking as a character. And the particular contract that this particular character is under is one where they basically have to utilize the character in something. Um, uh, if they don't utilize them in the span of seven years and the rights then become open. So that's why it seems like Static Shock always pops up. The character Static Shock pops up in some type of show. Say again? Yeah. They just use them enough so that they can keep him in their um in their, in their catalog. In their catalog. Um so they, that's why you'll pop he'll pop up in Young Justice, but also pop up in Justice League and pop up in a random this and a random that so that they can keep retaining this. And I think that there's a reason behind that. Because to sit here and to show a something that was made for and by us. It's something that is extremely powerful and is a full circle moment. It's not something that you can make into anything else. Like the original, you know, version of Black Panther wasn't even constructed solely by us. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are and, and so there's flaws in the character for that reason. But for Static Shock to be a character that's filled with who he is, knowing where he's from, understanding, having a having a father, having all these particular elements. Yeah. But also being a powerful child, I think it's such a it's a message that would like shock and change a generation of people if that is the 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 message of everything. Hence, why when Black Panther comes out, all every every child felt like they they wanted to either be a Koye or a Black Panther, even Killmonger. They just wanted to be they just wanted to be in this same space and place. And I think it's a powerful message to let children know that they could be powerful too. And so I think that that's the reason why these things aren't a thing because they see it already. They've already done the focus group. If you do the real story of Static Shock, you have to then show a child who's 15, 16 years old, just like a Peter Parker, with locks, dark skin, electrical powers, and kicking ass. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, and, and, and I just want to add one thing that you made me think about, man. There's this movie called Gran Turismo that came out. I don't know if you, the if racing you movie, right? It. It, yeah, it's a movie about you know video game driver who goes you know um, in mm -hmm. full Formula One. What's in, it's supposed to be a um, what do you, what do you call it? A bio, biopic, right? A bio biopic bio, biopic, however you want to uh, pronounce it. But what was interesting, the studio decided to make it so his father was a hater for whatever reason. His father wasn't supportive. His father was like, out of like, why are you following this dream? And I went and looked. I was like, what's real about this story? And in the in the real reality, he was like, my father was into was into soccer, football, right? Soccer. And he was like, oh, cool. But that was it. He wasn't like big time into it, but he was supportive. So why did the studio decide to make the father who was who was um who's a, a great actor, but the guy that we that's in every movie, black dude, but my oh, yeah. <laughs> he's never the room. 
was in he was in Gladiator. He was the black guy in Gladiator. I forget I forget his name. Oh uh, oh uh um Jamon uh Hamsu. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. So that a great actor. He acted you know he was great in the movie. But why was he like I don't know any unsupportive black fathers. You know what I mean? They exist right. But everyone that I know in my family, I'm a supportive black father. My father was supportive. All my brothers, it just pissed me off. And that was the only flaw. The movie was great, except for that. And yeah. the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, this is a good movie, but that don't feel right. There's something wrong about that. So what again? <laughs> Who are they ready for that, man? They still want to tell the story of the troubled youth. And they exist. Once again, they exist. We know that. Sure. But no, there's, there's more really bright, intelligent, capable, loving, compassionate, black youth and they got to be spotlighted more i agree i agree so let's send it on um when you guys hear this you're gonna hear it the nice good you know soulful instrumental of Angelo behind my voice and in your voice uh the send it on is my call to action portion of the episode i would love for you both to let everyone know how they can support the planeta blue movement as a whole let them know Word. Hey, y'all, pick up the book, Planeta Blue, Rise of Agu. You can pick it up at our website, planetablue.com. So it's planet with an A and then blue without the E dot com. And it's available everywhere. It's available on Amazon. It's available at Target, Walmart, you know, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books, your novels, because it's it's Penguin Random House is our, is, is our distributor it out there so you can buy it anywhere please pick it up you will love the artwork you will love the story it's it's like nothing you've seen before um and and hopefully it will bring a tear people have told me they they've brought a tear to their eyes and i know i get choked up thinking about where the series is going because it's not only the first book which is a story in itself contained but we're gonna have more books and ideally Soon, a movie or series. That's what we're working on also, along with an audio book. It's not out yet, so pick up the book, man. Planeta Blue. Well, Joe, we, we love the support. We appreciate the support. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great, great. And you can also see all of their information in the description of this episode. Make sure that you go and check out Planeta Blue, Rise of a Goo. I am Rodney Perry. You can follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. Uh, follow the podcast at Simply King Pod on IG. Um, make sure that you just tap in with me. Tap in with me. This year is going to be a hell of a year. So many great guests and so many great episodes coming up. And I want you to get back into reading. Let's take let's take back into let's get back into reading some fiction. Um, if I get it, everybody wants to be better people, but put down the damn self help and get into your imagination. Okay, that's my little message. Yeah, you know, reading rainbow. You feel me? Um, <laughs> I appreciate you too for uh, giving me your time. Um, uh, this has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. I've been Rodney Perry. I have had Michael Rillaricia and Tim Bless. And their book we've talked about is Planeta Blue again, Rise of a Goo. Make sure you check it out. And this has been Simply King. Peace. Statement to the press, let the rest know who did that. Metal fist terrorists claim responsibility. Broken household name usually set in hostility. Um, what is MF? You silly. I like to take men's to the end for two milli. Do 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 do.
that's an audio daily double. Rappers need to fall off just to save me the trouble, yo. Watch your own back, him in and go out alone, black.